If you have your copy of the scripture, I invite you to turn with me to a beautiful psalm, Psalm chapter 90. Just going to read for you uh, verses 1 to 4. Psalm chapter 90, verses 1 to 4. I challenge you uh, through this week to read through uh, all of the psalm. A beautiful psalm, a great challenging psalm with God's great strength and might and just who God is uh, in His amazing love for us. We are in the beginning of a, a series simply called What We Believe as we're looking the church, uh, some through the Bible as a church, at um, what it is that we believe as, as Christians. Uh, it's important that we, uh, we are firm about our foundation as a church, and so we want to take a few weeks to, uh, to work through uh, some scriptures from the Old Testament and New Testament uh, to talk some things about what we believe as a church. And uh, over these next three weeks, for example, we're talking about uh, the Trinity, uh, first with God our Father, then Jesus our Savior, then the Spirit our Comforter, uh, and uh, then the Bible with God's living Word. And then we'll go on, continue on with uh, God's justice and grace and um, the second coming of Christ and our end times and things like that uh, that are coming up for how we believe as a church. It's important that we know what we believe so that we can live out the truth of God's Word and share that with others in our lives. And so I'll just begin this by talking about God our Father from Psalm chapter 90, beginning verse 1. And uh, you read along with me. It says this, The prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole, or the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you were God. You turned people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch of the night. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you and I praise you for the precious gift of your word. And we pray, God, as we open it together, that you challenge our hearts, God, uh, of just who you are and to be more like you in our lives. Thank you, God, for your love, for your grace, for your power and strength and how you use it all to, to care for us, to lead us, God, in your love and to bring salvation and hope and restoration to this world. Thank you, God, for your amazing love and grace toward us. And that while we're yet sinners, you allow Christ to die for us, to bring about our salvation, our eternal hope. So God, help us to focus on you in this time and be glorified, God, through all that is said and done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, there's a lot of confusion in today's society about who is God or is there only one God or... Uh, are all religions serving the same God? And, uh, and so it's important that we begin our study, I think, on what we believe as uh, the Christian church by talking about God and, and who is God and uh, the great mystery and the great wonder uh, that is our God and our Father. Now, we believe as Christians that God is in the Trinity. He's not just uh, God the Father, but we believe there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, but yet they're not three separate gods. Now, some <coughs> other religions throughout uh, history have thought, well, Christians serve three different gods. There's God, there's Jesus, there's the Holy Spirit. We have the one God, 
uh, with the different parts. One is not any lesser than the other. Uh, they each have the full power of God and uh, however they are represented, whether it be Jesus Christ while he was here on earth, uh, was both in fully, fully God and fully man. Uh, God in heaven, the Holy Spirit in our hearts, with all the power, the authority of God. The triune God is three, uh, not three, but one. Now, it's interesting that the word Trinity is not actually mentioned anywhere in the Bible. Uh, you can't find a scripture that says, uh, and we're, we're now going to honor the Trinity or anything like that. The word Trinity is not mentioned there. Uh, there are a couple of verses and there's other references that make reference to different parts of the Trinity. When Jesus was baptized, uh, you have Jesus standing there uh, in the flesh. Uh, God the Father's voice speaks from the clouds. The Holy Spirit uh, ascends on uh, them in the, the form of a dove. Uh, in other beautiful passages like Matthew chapter 28, uh, verse 19, uh, it says to go out in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. A beautiful passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, talks about the grace of Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit are to be with us as a church. How all three should be represented in us as a church. Now the Bible... To make it a little more confusing, I think, on who God is, the Bible has all sorts of names for God. In fact, the uh, Israel's tradition is actually that God should never be spoken of. He is, now, here's a big theological word for you. They say God is ineffable, uh, which simply means he should never be spoken of. And so they come up with this word in Hebrew, which is Yahweh, which doesn't have uh, any, uh, any vowels in it. It's just consonants, which are a bunch of letters put together to simply say, I am he who exists. I am, I am. And uh, this is the letter they would write the name of God, but wouldn't speak it. And so uh, it's sometimes known as the unknown God or the unspoken God. Yahweh is the most frequently used in our Bible today, translated in English, just say God. But the word Yahweh for God, saying I am the one who exists, is used more than 7,000 times in just the Old Testament. Uh, it's the most used name for, for God in the Bible. But the Old Testament alone has several different names for God. There's uh, Elohim, which means the creator, and we find this in, uh, in Genesis. He's the one who creates. Uh, El simply means he's strength and he's power. Eloah is the God of. And sometimes in the Old Testament you'll hear, I am the God of Jacob or the God of Isaac. And that, that word is Eloah. Uh, or uh, he's the God of forgiveness. Uh, those sort of references. There's Elah, which is the awesome one. And uh, one of my favorite words for God in uh, Hebrew is just Yah. Uh, Yah. Now, that's how we, we get the word hallelujah or hallelujah, which means praise be to God. Uh, the word Yah simply means it's the unspoken name uh, for God. Now, Adonai means master and Lord. Hadadesh, the holy one and perfect one. In fact, the Bible itself has over a hundred different names for God. And you think, wow, that's, who is this God then that we, we can't pinpoint, we can't pin him down? I find it interesting, if you look at some of the names for God, uh, the Bible calls him Father, Foundation, Almighty, Rock, Deliverer, Refuge, Purifier, Lion, Life. Now these aren't different gods that we serve, but different ways of describing the different roles of God, the characteristics of God and the attributes of him. God is so great, 
that he's just hard to explain. We can't put him into words. I love the idea that the, the Hebrews come up with that he can't be spoken of because there's no way you can put God down. Some people say, well, God is love. And, um, and uh, John's letters say the same thing, that so God is love. But God is so much more than that, isn't he? In fact, every different book of the Bible has different names for God that are used. Some are the same and some are unique for each book of the Bible. And I love this because when we just read certain books of the Bible, we only get a certain picture of God. When we read the whole Bible as, as, uh, as a book, as God's living word, we start to see an understanding more of the different attributes, the different uh, wonderful characteristics of the God that we serve. He is big. He is huge. And he's hard to describe in just one or two words. Now, I'm not going to go through all 100 names for you. I might try to have that printed off for you next week so you've got uh, some different names for God, the characteristics of what he does. But we're going to go through a few important things that I think it's important for us to remember as a church about the God we serve. Uh, the first is what uh, I call the, the big three. Now, you often hear this on a sermon uh, about God and says he is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. Now, those sound big words. And if you learn those words, you'll sound like you know what you're talking about, even if you don't. They sound impressive, don't they? Omniscient, omnipresent, and... Um, I can't even say them. Omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. Uh, omnipotent simply means God is all-powerful. There is nothing that is impossible with God. Genesis eighteen fourteen says, There is not anything that is too difficult for Him. There's nothing that's too difficult for our God. Luke 18, 27 says, With God, all things are possible. Uh, in other times, you'll find with God, nothing is impossible. God is a God who has all power and all authority. There is nothing He can't do. That's the sort of God that we serve. Not only that, but He is omniscient, which means He knows everything. He is all-knowing. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 13 and 14 says, There's nothing we can teach God. He knows it all. There's nothing you can tell Him. Now, sometimes we like to, we, we question that, don't we? We think, God, obviously there's a few things you don't know about this situation. Because you're not handling it the way that I think you should. Let me just fill you in on a few things. And I think graciously He just sits there and He's like, yeah, okay, thanks for letting me know that. Yeah, but I'm still going to do what, what is best, what is right. God knows Everything. There's nothing we can teach him. There's nothing we can fill him in on. There's no blanks there with God. He knows it all. Psalm 139 says, He knows the words that we're going to say even before they roll off our tongue, even before they're fully formed in our mind. God knows how many hairs are on our head or how many hairs used to be on our head. He knows it all. He is all powerful and he has all this power and authority and he knows everything. Not only that, but God is omnipresent, which means he can be all places at all times. Now, that's amazing. I'd never be late to anything if I was that way. You could just be anywhere at all times. You can be everywhere. Now, we are so limited, aren't we? We're either running late or we're running early. We're, we're here. Now, all of us are here. Some of you are more here than others this morning. But we're all present here, which means we can't be anywhere else. But God is amazing in that He is here, and He is in Africa, and He is in America, and He's in the heights. He's with the people in the plains. He's with the people in the ocean, uh, in, in the submarines. God can be everywhere at all times. He is omnipresent. That's amazing. Psalm 139, beautiful passage. One of my favorite verse, or chapters in all the Bible. But verses 7 to 12 say, 
If I go into the heights of the heaven, God, you're there. If I go down into the depths of the sea, you are there. If I say, well, surely the darkness will hide me. Even the darkness is as light to you. God, you are everywhere. And there's nowhere I can go to get away from your presence. God is powerful and he's all knowing and he's omnipresent. That's amazing, isn't it? But that's not all. Because we also want to say an important thing to know about God is he's timeless. There is no beginning and no end. God is eternal. God created all things that exist. There's nothing that exists that didn't come from God or from something that he created. But nothing created God. He has been and has always been and always will be. Deuteronomy chapter 33 verse 27 says, God holds us in his everlasting arms. He just keeps on keeping on loving us, holding us, embracing us. This is beautiful to me because he's not limited as we are. He's not restricted by time as we are. We're only on this earth for so many days or so many, so many years. As long as God allows, our very lives are in his hands. God can see outside of that time and space. He, he doesn't just see in the moment. He can see all of eternity. He knows uh, our lives from beginning to end. He is all-knowing and he's on the present. He is timeless, existing outside our own time and space. And you see, we see things in the moment. And we get so stressed with it, don't we? And we can only see how it's working out right now or how it's not working out. God sees it all unfolding and it's all in his hands. Psalm chapter 90 here, it says, God has always been our shelter. Even before the mountains were formed from ages past to distant futures, God, you are. Isn't that beautiful? God forever exists. Not only that, not only is omnipotent and omniscient and, and omnipresent, he's timeless. An important thing to remember about God is he is immutable, which means he's unchanging. He is forever faithful. Psalm 102, verse 25 to 27 says, God, you have always been and always will be the same. 1 Timothy 1.17 says, God, you are the one and only God. You're the same yesterday, forever, uh, today and forever. God is unchanging. Now, I think this is beautiful because we can see how he has worked before and we can know that he'd be faithful to work that way again. We can see that how he's worked in people's lives in the past and we can know that he's going to be the same. He's going to show the same power and same strength and same love for us today who trust in him. For those who've been faithful to trust in God, no matter the circumstances, God saw them through. He was faithful to them and he will be faithful to you and to me. God is unchanging. He is forever love. He is forever just. He is forever God. With all his power and all of his authority, he is forever with us. Not only that, God is just. Now we live, we live in a world today that even recently, in recent years in Australia, they've been questioning, is there really any wrong? Is there really any right? Is there, is there any sort of ethics and morals that, that are to guide our life? Because for years, our idea of right and wrong came from the Bible, came from God himself, who is truth. And now, our government trying to get away from the scriptures and trying to get away from that Bible-based 
teaching have tried to say, maybe we can start teaching ethics outside of the Bible. And we can start teaching this. But what they started to discover is that without the foundation of what is truth and what is not, without God who backs God himself, who is the one true one, there is no sense of what is right and what's wrong. And so they started teaching, well, what's right for you is right for you. What's wrong to me is wrong to me. But they've, what is, has started to unfold is that that just makes a mess of things. When there's no sort of truth that, that, that undergirds and is our foundation, then our, our society starts to just unravel and fall apart. I remember when our kids were, were quite young and we're in Blacktown and there was graffiti everywhere uh, across, on the shop across from our house. And one of our girls asked me, why would someone do that? Why would someone go to someone else's property and spray paint and stuff all over? And, you know, I actually, I, I found that difficult to answer. Because I thought, well, you know what? We wouldn't do that. Because we just think you respect someone else's stuff. But if there is no respect, if it's just anyone can do whatever they want, then all of a sudden there's a free-for-all. And uh, all of our laws and all of our things are pointless because no one cares. There's no respect. The, the laws only, only uh, help form our society if people follow those laws. The, the authorities that, that God has put in place are only relevant if people are willing to follow those authorities. And we have come to a generation of time in which people, I've heard people speak to, to police and judges in ways that you wouldn't speak to your worst enemy, that you wouldn't imagine, because there's no sort of, of right or wrong in society today. And I want to say, God is the God of justice. God is the God of what is right. And He blesses those who follow Him, and uh, there are consequences for those who, who go against His ways. There's a beautiful passage for this in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 10 and 11. Let me read this quickly. It says, See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and He rules with a mighty arm. See, His reward is with Him, And his recompense accompanies him. He tends to his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have their young. Isn't that beautiful? It says, God leads us with his everlasting arm. He rewards those who follow him. He leads us in what is right. But he doesn't say he does this by making us robots that just have to follow him. He gently guides us in what is right. He gives us uh, the option to follow Him, but He tries to lead us in what is right. He tries to, gar- to carry us, if we need to, close to His heart so that we know the heart of God. My fear, and then we have families in our community not knowing what is right, not knowing what is wrong, not knowing how to live because we don't know the heart of God. We have a God who wants to lead us by following Him. He wants to lead us in what is right. He is just and He is holy. And we need to trust in His ways. Not only all of this, but God is love. I mentioned before, 1 John 4, 18 says, God is love. And if we live with Him, we live with love. We know what love is all about if we live with God. In John three sixteen, as we know, verse 16 and 17, that God loves our world so much. He loves you and I so much that He gave His one and only Son, so that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And God didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world through Him 
I'll be saved. We serve an amazing God. It's bigger than any certain words we could put on him. That's why the Bible has over 100 different names or descriptors for God. And I want to challenge you guys. As our church at Lakes, I pray that we be a people who know God's word. We be a people who know the God as we serve. That, you know, it's wonderful to sing of who he is. And it's wonderful to say, you know, from ages to ages, God, you are. But it's a different thing to actually know in our heart the God that we serve. To allow him to to be a part of our life, to share our life with him. God is a God who loves you and me so much that he gave his own son's life on the cross to pay the payment for our sin. He who is holy and righteous, perfect in every way, was willing to take on our sin and bear that on that old Roman cross so we could have life. Instead of the death and the separation from God we deserve, we could have life and hope, peace for all of eternity. God is a mighty, mighty God. He is strong. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is omnipresent. He is timeless. He is unchanging. He is just. And He is love. Here's the thing. God is all of this. He has all this power and all authority. He knows everything. And He can do everything. And this great and amazing God chooses to love you and me. He chooses to use you and me to share his message of hope with the community. Now, you may think that's crazy. I just think it's wonderful. That is amazing grace. Because he knows us. Mistakes and all. He knows how many times you've fallen. He knows how many times you've done wrong or who you've done that with. He knows those things. And he still loves you so much that he gave his own son so that you didn't have to suffer and you don't have to die. You can have life, eternal life with God. God loves you. And I want to say, no matter the mistakes you've made, this morning, God wants you to know of his love. God wants you to know that he knows it all. He's seen it all. And he still loves you. And he wants to use you to share hope in our community. He wants to use you. He wants to transform your heart and your life from that which has been held down by that sin and the wrong that we've been doing to one of freedom and one of life and one of peace. God wants to transform your heart and your life. And He will, if you'll only ask. Romans says, any who call on the name of the Lord can be saved. If you believe in your heart, if if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you can be saved. A beautiful passage in, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. I mentioned it before. God says, Behold, I stand at your heart's door. I, I stand at the door and knock. And anyone who opens the door, I'll come in and I'll have fellowship with him and he with me. Maybe God's standing outside your heart's door this morning. And you can just feel that, that desire within you to make things right with God. You can say, You know what? I need that love, I need that forgiveness. I want to say it doesn't matter how many times you've made the mistake. It doesn't matter how many times you've fallen. There's forgiveness and there's grace and there's hope for you here today in the God that we serve. He is that powerful. He can wipe it all away. Your family may not forgive you. Your friends may not forgive you. Our God will forgive you. 
Our God can let that go. He can wipe that slate clean. The Bible says we are justified by our faith in Him, which means just as if we'd never sinned, that sin is gone. God can forget our sin. It says as far as the east is from the west, so far He cast our sins away from us. They're just gone. And if you're here this morning and say, you know what? I need this sort of God in my life. I need to give my heart and life to God. We're going to give you that chance to do that. And as we sing our last song, I'm just going to say, as you, if you feel God is, is pulling at your heart, saying, hey, it's time to make a change. I want to be a part of your life. Don't put that off. This is your opportunity to get things right with God. Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you've been a Christian a long time. And you say, you know what? I'm not close to God's heart. I'm no longer allowing God to guide my life. And I want to ask, ask you just come down and just, just pray and, and, and restore things with God. He is so ready just to keep on loving you, to keep on leading you. And you'll find He will not come down harshly on you. He will love you like a shepherd loves a sheep. He'll pick you up and, in His arms and lead you on the right way once again. He loves you and He's just waiting on you to turn around and find His arms open wide, ready to embrace you and lead you once again. Whatever it is this morning, uh, we've got some, some space here in the, the front of the church. Maybe you just want to come down. Uh, I'm just going to ask Jesus to come at this time. And as uh, the musicals are getting set up and we start singing this song, if you feel God is leading in your heart for whatever reason, for whatever way, now's your opportunity to get things right with God. The Bible says today's the day of salvation. Today's your day to get things right with God. And we want to give you the opportunity to do that. I know that God's invitation is never closed. He's always around, and you can give your heart to God at any time. You can get things right with God any time. That's right. But we as a church want to support you in your walk with God. We want to help you in that walk with God. And so we want to give you an opportunity to respond to Him. If God's dealing with your heart in any way, I want to ask you just to come as we sing. Uh, the, the front row's empty here. You can, um, you can kneel down there and pray. Uh, you can meet with me and pray. That's wonderful. We just want to help you as a church get your heart and your life right with God. I want to ask, let's all stand together. And as we sing this song, uh, I just want to ask you, you just come and follow him.